The book of Judges is especially challenging because of the fact that many of these stories are so graphic and grave. There aren't many so-called good guys in these stories, if at all. As I read through the book of Judges, I'm trying my best to find clues or indicators within the text as to what I'm supposed to do with these stories. You have to do some convincing to yourself that these protagonists have some kind of redeeming quality. A luxury that many of us afford ourselves in examining our own lives. But we have a hard time doing this for others. Or perhaps we we don't see redeeming value in ourselves. So much so that God can make no use of us at all. However, both of those responses, idealism, pessimism, are incomplete and inconsistent. The Bible doesn't have a sugar-coated view of the world. Neither does the Bible have a cynical view of the world. The Bible presents reality. The Bible presents the real view of the world, the real view of God, the real view of history, the real view of humanity. The book of Judges says both of these. We're not the heroes we think we are, and we're not the totally useless failures that we think we are. To focus only on the sin of the people would be like only focusing on the betrayal of Judas, the abandonment uh, from Jesus' apostles, the blindness of the Jewish leaders, the ignorance of the Romans, and the crucifixion of Jesus. This would be a dishonor to the true testimony of Scripture about the redemptive history. On the other hand, it's impossible to fully appreciate the redemptive work of Jesus while not being exposed to or ignoring why he had to die at all because we are wretched sinners. We need to know how bad it really is to fully understand and appreciate the good news and how good it really is, and by really, I mean in reality. This next moment in the story of Samson, Judges 15, comes with some important clues that God is at work in all of this. We're reminded who Samson is, that is, who God intends for him to be. We're following someone already morally compromised, yet set apart by God. Samson has become a transgressor to the covenant with Israel by standard Mosaic law, and Samson has specifically transgressed his Nazarite vow. Let's highlight some verses that give us clues to understanding the meaning of these moments in Samson's life in Judges 15. Judges 15.1 After some days, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat, and he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. Why did that happen? Think about it. Samson, rather than destroy the Philistines, is about to possibly multiply more Philistines into the world. Samson, knowingly or unknowingly, is on the verge of repeating the sins of Judah. Genesis 38:17 tells us that Tamar required the same gift, a young goat, from Judah before she consented to relations with him. Ironically, the tribe of Israel mentioned in this chapter is, you guessed it, Judah. If you're an Israelite that's familiar with your history, you're reading this chapter of Samson saying to yourself, oh, here we go again. But Samson's father-in-law prevents him from doing so. The sin of Judah is actually, surprisingly, not perpetuated in this episode with Samson. Consider the story of Abimelech and Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Abimelech is about to own, unknowingly commit adultery with Sarah. But there's a very interesting exchange between Abimelech and God. 
Genesis 20, verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did not he himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands I have done this. And God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So is this some random mistake on Samson's father-in-law's part? Maybe for Samson's father-in-law, it is simply just that, an ignorant mistake. But for God, I believe it's for the preservation of Samson. He's not meant to multiply the Philistine people. God intends for Samson to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Cited from Judges 13.5. Judges 15.7 says, Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you, and after that, I will quit. Samson is doing what he is doing as an act of vengeance. Now, vengeance is a very interesting biblical concept to discuss. If we were to ask the question, Does the Bible say vengeance is evil? The answer we'd find is, It depends. Is jealousy evil? Answer, It depends. Vengeance is the Lord's, and the Lord is a jealous God. Both of these are said about God. Judges 15, 14-15 says, When Samson came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck one thousand men. Notice how Samson interprets this event in Judges fifteen eighteen. He called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this salvation by the hand of your servant. God honors Samson's request for water, Judges fifteen nineteen, And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out from it. And when he drank... His spear returned, and he revived. Judging from the response of God to Samson's prayer, we can see God's faithfulness to the purpose he announced for Samson even before his birth. Psalm 16:9 says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. In the case of Samson, you will not let your Holy One die of thirst. Although Samson is a seriously compromised character, we must also point out that he does end up doing the thing that God raised him up to do, at least in the confines of this story. Think of Jonah. He never really wanted to go to Nineveh, and while it is wrong for him to not desire the salvation, the repentance of those people, Jonah does end up doing his job, albeit begrudgingly. Hebrews 6, 9, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, 
things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We can look at Samson's life and see a picture of reality, a morally compromised humanity, a chosen one, chosen to save, the salvation of God through his servant. We see the judgment of God on his enemies, and we see God, ultimately, not abandoning his chosen one to die alone. In other words, God remaining faithful. Acts 2.22 Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says, concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will also dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make full, make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This week, I'm joined by Nono and Noni to discuss the text. Let's hear their response. A veces, situaciones incomprensibles se presentan. No entendemos que detrás se presenta el plan del mismo Señor con un fin determinado. Humanamente, tenemos a pensar de manera simple, pero el Señor dispone de pensamiento más complejo y actúa como haciendo, esta es una palabra que en español significa rebote, pero que se llama carambola, que es parte de un juego que se hace en la mesa con pelotita, uh -huh. donde sí. se le pega una y esa pega a las demás. Y entonces oh. se introduce, no sé acá cómo el se villano, llama, villano. el pool o algo así. Oh, oh billiards, yeah, ¿No? pool. Claro, oh, yeah. parece que es así, ¿no? Bueno, entonces aquí note simplemente so, carambola, pero significa rebote. So Noni is reviewing what we what we talked about last week that um, sometimes it's not in a straight line the way God operates, but He uses secondary causes. So she's giving the comparison of a of the game of pool or billiards, how you you shoot one ball to hit another ball, which then hits a bunch of other balls off the wall. So she's talking about the reality that God. Um, a lot of times uses secondary causes and sometimes uh, well really a lot of the time 
it's incomprehensible to humans how that works, but to God, that's how he operates, and it's not a problem for him. Solo entendiendo esto, y solo por esto, deberíamos esperar a que Dios se manifieste en su obra. Mm. Cuando uno va a hacer cualquier cosa, solo al pensar que Dios va a utilizar las mm -hmm. cosas, deberíamos esperar que sea Él el que actúe, se manifieste. So she's saying, given the fact that we know that God operates this way, we should be patient and allow, allow him uh, and allow ourselves the time to understand him in that, in that kind of way. Not for an instant answer, but to understand him as the way that he manifests himself from, in his works, in his deeds, in his, in his words. Sí. Sansón resultó corto, débil, para la misión encomendada, pero aún así el Señor lo usa, aunque no sin pérdida para Sansón. Evidently, Samson is a very limited and weak person, but God is still using him and accomplishing things with him. Sansón conoce a Dalila y muestra su tosudez, su, su, este, eh, su terquedad, su terquedad, su tosudez, al caer rendido ante la belleza femenina y no pensar en consecuencia. Por tal hecho, no se detuvo ni razonó su deseo si le convenía en la decisión. So Samson reveals that he doesn't really think through the consequences of his actions when he's very attracted to this Philistine woman in chapter 14. Y procede deslealmente con sus padres y con su pueblo. Actúa en solitario, matando, tomando cosas inmundas que no le era permitido según sus votos nazareos. So we see that when, when he acts in solitary, with, without counsel, just by himself, he ends up doing very um, rash and foolish things. Los votos lo habían consagrado a Dios. Él despedazó un león, luego comió de dentro del animal miel de un panal que había ahí. So he's, he's violating God in a, in a number of ways, and namely when he rips apart this lion and he's touching this dead body and he's grabbing the honey out of the lion and the bees, he's not supposed to be doing that. Sansón, el gran rescatador, vivía su vida a espaldas de su misión y su deber, haciendo su vida a, a, a su aire, a su manera. Equivocó el camino que tenía designado, trayendo desgracia y sangre a todo por su irracionalidad. Through Samson's irrationality, he brought disgrace and, and pain and consequence to um, not just the people around him, but to himself. Debemos entender el punto del enigma del león y la miel, que parece mostrar un antes y un después de este hecho. So we can see that the lion is a sort of an enigma of a before and after of this, of this act. Aún tan difícil de captar, el mensaje lo tiene. Es Jehová llevando la situación a un momento clave para aceptar, para meter su voluntad y para eso usa hombres y demuestra la sutileza y mirada con efecto de espiral para arribar a ese motivo. While at first it may be confusing and confounding to look at this really strange situation with Samson, you can see that God is bringing the, the life of Samson to a critical point, a key point. That's what clave means, she said, a key point, where he, God is going to assert himself 
through the means of a human agent. Y leemos en Hechos 2.32 que nos dice el predeterminado consejo que no tomamos de Dios por sorpresa. Que no tomamos a Dios por sorpresa. Él determina, ejecuta, concluye con revelar a la humanidad lo imposible de vivir sin Él. Y nos muestra su obstinado amor que a través de su perseverancia logra su maravilloso plan de salvación. So we, we see here that God... Uh, not only determines the ends, he accomplishes it through his specific means, and he guarantees um, what he's going to do, which reveals his love and his faithfulness from, and, the, and that's the way that he has always been. Después vienen algunos puntos, como consejos del Pastor José, para los planes de Dios son más grandes que los nuestros, protejámonos de las tentaciones que conducen al pecado, y al dolor, recordemos al Evangelio, encomendémonos al pueblo de Dios. Esos son los consejos del pastor. So the, la... so the sermon points from last week were that the, the plans of God are much greater than our plans. And also, secondly, that we need to protect ourselves from the temptations that um, lead us and astray to sin and pain. Those are the main points from recordándonos That is an unprecedented number for one person to kill. What are some things that stand out to you, Nono? Bueno, yo estaba haciendo un repaso otra vez de memoria del 14. Mm -hmm. Y en el 15 me llama la atención algunos hechos muy sorprendentes para lo que estamos acostumbrados a entender. Por ejemplo, Sansón vuelve a visitar a su mujer entiendo yo después que se le fue un poquito el enojo porque ella lo había eh, engañado y, y revelado sí. a los de su pueblo lo que Sansón le había dicho so in the previous in the previous act we see that Samson's wife really sells him out um, and and betrays him Give, you know, granted, she was, her family was being threatened to be killed, but um, that's, that's what happened in the previous episode. También me llama la atención un hecho sencillo, ¿no es cierto? Si es bueno destacarlo. Yo creo que si él va a una reconciliación con la mujer que, que le gusta, llevaría algún hecho que es afín a la mujer, pero le llevó un cabrito. <laughs> so, Eso me causó un poquito de risa. So, something that, that kind of caused me to, to chuckle a little bit was how he's going back to the Philistines and if he if he wanted to reconcile with a woman you would expect him to bring something that might be a little more uh, feminine but instead he brings a young goat you know instead of I guess a, a bouquet of flowers it's not a really good reconciliation gift Otra cosa que me sorprende que el padre que había hecho algo por su cuenta le impidió la entrada y dijo el padre de ella, le confesó, mejor dicho, yeah. 
A la mujer que tú buscas, yo ya se lo entregué a un compañero. So he goes, he goes to his father-in-law, and he, he wants, the, the text says he wants to go into his wife, but, his de but the father-in-law doesn't let Samson do so. And then the father-in-law really tells him, rather confessing, would be a better way of saying it, confesses to Samson that he just, he handed off his daughter to his companion because he thought that he didn't like her. Y, y entiendo de que por su cuenta entendió o, o comprendió juzgándole a Sansón de que él eh, no estaba interesado. Entonces por eso la entregó enseguida a un compañero. So it seems the father-in-law perceived that Samson wasn't interested in her and that's why he gave the daughter to the best man. Entonces cuando se da cuenta que cometió un error, yo creo que trata de enmendarlo ofreciéndole la hija menor y haciéndole eh, propaganda como mm -hmm. que es más linda y todo eso eh, que no no salís perdiendo. So what I speculate, what Nono speculates is that it seems that he's he's trying to fix his error because um, maybe he feels kind of bad about it that he's trying to pitch to Samson, oh, you know, maybe maybe you should take my daughter, my younger daughter as 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 uh, your wife because she's even prettier than than the one that you had so he's, he's trying to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. En ese momento yo creo que Sansón no se puso nada contento <laughs> y entonces decidió vengarse del pueblo de los filisteos. It seems that Samson didn't really care about that offer to marry the other daughter and so instead he he takes it upon him he he thinks to himself I'm going to avenge myself. En el versículo 4 viene otra cosa que me llama profundamente la atención. Mm -hmm. Que él va y caza 300 zorras. Lo que me llama la atención es que él va y caza 300 zorras. Y yo digo, esos mismos animales, aún asustándose, pueden revolverse contra él y, y hacerle cosas. Pero él los agarra como, como si fueran nada. Y... Tomó unas antorchas y juntó cola con cola con cada animal y le puso la, la antorcha entre medio de las dos colas y encendiéndole las antorchas lo soltó por los sembrados a los filisteos y quemó todo el campo y las viñas y los olivares. Es algo sobrenatural para estos tiempos, ¿no es cierto? So what stands out to me is how in the world did he get 300 foxes? I mean, these are animals. They, there's no way they're not going to resist or bite back or something and the way how he ties them together it's it's crazy the description is insane it's it gives me the impression that this could only happen supernaturally ahora quiero hacer una una apreciación de que viene del capítulo 14 i want to say something about chapter 14 que viene a cuento para también este capítulo 15 Which also applies to chapter 15, of course. Dice que nos damos cuenta que el deseo que le viene a Sansón, tanto de en el capítulo anterior enfrentarse con el león rugiente que venía hacia él, y Dios lo unge otra vez con esa fuerza sobrenatural, mm -hmm. y ahora este este deseo de vengarse del pueblo de los filisteos mm -hmm. yo creo que está en línea con el plan que Dios tenía de ir contra los filisteos 
Es decir, todas las cosas, como dice la Noni, que van combinándose, es porque Dios tiene un propósito, tiene un plan que estableció, que es que de alguna forma se enfrenten contra los filisteos para que los filisteos sean juzgados. So something to keep in mind is that in chapter 14 it starts by saying that God is seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. Now while um, it seems like Samson is just is just you know cracking skulls and just and just doing whatever he feels like this is not we shouldn't get the impression that God is not doing something here um, because in each of the moments where where Samson is avenging himself you can really see that it says the spirit of the Lord rushes upon him or you see that the desire of God is consistent with um, bringing judgment upon the Philistines so although we not we might not like the vessel Samson as a bit of an ugly picture um, we can see God's purpose in bringing Samson in opposition in rivalry with the Philistines because God from the beginning has from the beginning of, of the story of Samson that is has wanted to um, bring judgment upon the Philistines the enemies of God's people cuando estos filisteos vieron que Sansón había quemado los sembrados y los viñedos y los olivares fueron a la casa de la mujer y del padre y le prendieron fuego entonces Sansón Dijo que porque habéis hecho eso, juzgo que me vengaré de vosotros y después desistiré. Y los hirió cadera y mulo con gran mortandad y descendió y habitó en la cueva de la peña de Etán. Es decir, todo era apuntando a lo que Dios quería que era enfrentarse al pueblo de los filisteos. So we see here in the case where the, the, the Philistines burn the, the house of, the, of his in-laws to the ground. Um, and we see that this is, this is following this uh, purpose of God. Of course, this is not it in its entirety, but this is consistent with God's purpose of bringing judgment on the Philistines again. Entonces el pueblo de Judá se asustó porque dijeron, este habrá, habrá provocado a los filisteos y ahora él, ellos vendrán contra nosotros. So now the, the people from Judah are saying, oh man, Samson's provoked the Philistines. Now we're scared because this is his fault that, we're, that the Philistines now want to destroy us. Y, y así fue porque vinieron con tres mil hombres hacia Judá, a la cueva de la Peña de Tan, donde estaba Sansón. So, the, so there are 3,000 men of Judah. Because <laughs> they probably think to themselves, Uh, he's a strong man, so we might as well send 300 men as one messenger. Uh, and there, they're, they're trying to negotiate. What are you doing? Stop messing around with the Philistines. They're going to kill us. Ahora, qué interesante que otra vez Dios lo unge con esa fuerza sobrenatural. Y él toma un hueso de una quijada de, de un animal muerto. Y so, mata, so mata. God empowers him, um, and he grabs... A jawbone of a donkey, not even a full weapon. Y mata a mil hombres. And he kills a thousand men. Y cuando terminó de matar eso, tiró la quijada y llamó a aquel lugar Ramalei. Y teniendo gran sed, clamó a Jehová y dijo, 
tú has dado esta grande salvación por mano de tu siervo y moriré ahora de sed y caeré en manos de los incursizos. Y entonces Dios hizo otra obra maravillosa. Abrió la cuenca que hay en Leí, salió de ahí agua y él bebió y recobró su espíritu y se reanimó y por eso llamó el nombre de aquel lugar en Core, la cual está en Leviata hoy, y jugó a Israel en los días de los filisteos 20 años. So there we see at the end of that killing of a thousand men, you see another another act of God in in really in support of Samson. Samson says, I'm I'm dying of thirst and uh, you have provided this salvation, so save me, your servant, and God, sure enough, provides Samson the water to revive his spirit, and uh, um, it says when he drank, his spirit returned and revived, and uh, this is where it says he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Esas cosas, eh, yo tengo fe, tanta fe, de creerle a Dios cualquier cosa que Dios dice. <laughs> Yo estoy convencido de eso. I'm convinced and have great faith that whatever God says is true, it is good, and I and I believe Him. Pero como vos me preguntaste cuál fue la cosa que me llamó la atención, mm-hmm. estas cosas me llaman la atención en los tiempos de ahora, ¿no es cierto? But as you but as you asked me what what things stood out to me, these are the things that that right now they do stand out to me, um, the things that I mentioned. Okay, Noni, quiero quiero dar una oportunidad a, a vos a, a responder a este capítulo tenés algunas cosas para decir si sí, la nota que tomé de la predicación del pastor José sí. son las enseñanzas sobre el libro de jueces mm-hmm. o libertadores de Israel right. en este momento estamos con Sansón un hombre débil frente a sus pasiones pero inmensamente fuerte por decisión de Jehová El más fuerte hombre que hubo en la tierra, tal vez. Termina su misión con un alto costo de desgracia para él. Vivió locamente y sufrió por los vaivenes de su insensatez, aunque acabó con los filisteos idólatras que dominaban al pueblo de Israel. So here we have the story of Samson in the book of Judges, or you could even say uh, liberators of the people of Israel. And we see he's a weak, he's a weak man in a certain way of saying, but he's also in another way of saying, perhaps even the strongest man that ever lived. And so he's, he's being brought in, in conflict with the Philistines. And uh, at the end of his life, it's going to cost, give him a, this, his decisions and his passions and his, and his limitations and his weaknesses are going to cost him greatly. Um, but God will still um, use him for his purposes. Sansón siempre fue controlado por su egoísmo, el interés propio, causando desastres y a la vez por eso jura venganza a los que lo ofendieron y por eso elimina gran cantidad de enemigos filisteos. Judá al estar dominada y aterrorizada pide a Sansón que se entregue para no ser destruido por los filisteos, a quienes temían en gran manera. So Samson um, because of his ego that he's so ego-centered, he really makes enemies, uh, rivals, very easily for himself. Uh, And so we see in the case of Judah that Judah are are his fellow Israelites, and they're they're scared that because of Samson's rivalry with them that the Philistines are going to destroy them. Actúan de manera triste al unirse a los enemigos para entregar a Sansón. 
en sus manos, a pesar de que Sansón venía para liberarlos a ellos de la opresión, un poco o mucho de la realidad actual. Rechazan al Salvador por estar subyugados por el enemigo. It's yeah. very, it's very ironic, but really is is something that has repeated itself in history, that the people of Judah, what they don't realize is that they're they're putting themselves beneath their enemies, the Philistines, and they're rejecting to his face the the savior that actually God has provided for them in this time, that is Samson. So that's the irony, but really the reality of of the way that we human beings are, that we we look God's redeemer in the face and our initial reaction oftentimes is to reject or to or to be scared or to run away from him. Actúan aún en contra propia, en contra propia por la ignorancia. Cada uno de todos los que vinieron a salvar terminan corrompiendo su corazón por conveniencia. Aún así, Jehová lleva a cabo su misión. Eliminan al enemigo, pero no en inocencia, sino con maldad, ya que no fue su intención hacerlo por Dios. A lot of, a lot of the, the redeemers that we see in the stories of Israel, the, the deliverers that they have, they, they save Israel, um, but it is, not, it is not without their own sin and their own limitations or in their own um, shortcomings. So a lot of times they have to save Israel um, in, in spite of their own sin problems and their own bad decisions. Sansón venció por la fuerza que Dios le dio y fue con lucha y ferocidad. Jesús, en cambio, venció por amor y la única violencia que aceptó fue contra sí mismo. No resistió el ser apresado ni el torturado. Al contrario, dejó su vida en manos del enemigo y la entregó voluntariamente. So here we have a great contrast between Samson, uh, the deliverer in this part of Judges, and Jesus, the ultimate deliverer. Samson brings about judgment and, um, and satisfies God's wrath with his own violence and his own bare hands and ferocity. Whereas Jesus satisfies God's wrath by the violence being done to him. Samson became a torment to the Philistines and a thorn in, in their side. Whereas Jesus accepted the thorns in his own head and accepted the torture done to his own body. Samson is uh, vengeful, whereas Jesus gives his own life to satisfy God's wrath. Jesús entregó voluntariamente para finalizar la misión encomendada y librar a todos, no solo a Israel, del enemigo común. Jesus, um, in contrast with Samson, uh, gives his own life voluntarily, and not just to save the people of Israel, but to take away the sins of the whole world. Demostrando que es el único y verdadero Salvador y Redentor. Jesus proves that he is the, he is the only eternal, true, ultimate Savior and Redeemer. Sansón clama a Dios por primera vez luego de matar a mil hombres. Reconoce su sed y necesidad que Jehová lo salve a él de la sed intensa que tenía. So there's a moment where Samson realizes once again his absolute dependence on God. After he kills a thousand men, he's dying of thirst and he realizes um, how much he still needs God. Dios oye y le da agua. Um, the Lord, uh, God listens to him and he gives him water. El Señor sabe que hay un momento 
donde sus siervos entienden que si él no los ayuda, no sobreviven. The Lord understands um, that his servants, that his servants will have moments where they remember how dependent they are on God and that um, without him they can do nothing. Y permite que lleguemos a este lugar o realidad donde depender de Dios es todo lo que tenemos. And he allows, he permits these moments for us to realize um, that everything depends on him and that, that without him we would have nothing, we would be um, we would we would be nothing, we would be nowhere. So he allows us to get to that place and that reality. El Señor quiere enseñarnos caminos de paz permanente andando en sus enseñanzas y entendiendo que para nuestro bien y damos gloria a Él por hacerlo así. Um, the Lord teaches us through these kinds of moments of, uh, of showing us our dependence on Him and the great things that He, that he can even do through us. Uh, and, and of course, all of these things are, they, they turn back to praise and glory to Him. Y también entiendo que Sansón, como el hijo pródigo, parece desperdiciar toda la fortuna de su padre, los dones que recibió, pero termina volviendo a la casa del Señor, o sea, cumplir la misión encomendada. So, uh, although, although Samson, in many ways, is like a prodigal son, uh, um, a son that goes his own way, the end of his story, although costly and, and tragic and sad in many ways, he still ends up at the, at the very end of his life fulfilling the purpose that God brought him to do. Um, and so he, he returns to the house of God or at, or at the very least he, he fulfills the purpose that God had for him in his life. Sí, son las notas que tomé para releer en la semana y, y retener la lección que el pastor nos dio. So those are the notes I took to reread them throughout the week and to remember what Pastor Jose taught us. Okay. No, no, tenés alguna respuesta. No, uh, Do you have a reply to what Noni said? No, yo, yo digo que Dios es tan prolijo en los planes que traza. Ni. Porque, por ejemplo, te das cuenta que la primera mujer le llora, le llora para que le revele el enigma. Y después lo traiciona. Y después cuando se junta con Dalila, Dalila también lo traiciona pero todas las cosas conducen al plan que Dios tenía que él tenía que cumplir todo sirve para eso entonces vemos que Dios en la debilidad y en los errores él igual actúa para que su plan se cumpla we see in so for example with Samson's first wife um, she She whines and she cries to Samson to reveal the riddle to him, and he does. And then you see that same thing repeating itself when he's with Delilah, how she begs and she pleads for Samson to reveal the secret of, of his strength. And so you see there that these things aren't happening randomly, although to us as humans they might seem random, but you see that God is actually very, very certain and true as to what, as to what he's doing. So um, that's, that's something that's reassuring to us that Even in the errors and the weaknesses and the limitations of human beings, God is still um, accomplishing His purposes. Amen. Amen.
You have something like a final word to say? Estamos muy agradecidos por las lecciones que estamos aprendiendo. We're very, we're very thankful for the, the teachings that we are receiving sí. at Providence Road. Sí.